G'day and welcome to the Fly Fisher Podcast. Since 1967, we've been spreading the bug of fly fishing. Join us as we celebrate the fun of fly fishing and chat with characters that enjoy it as much as we do. Whether you're just starting out or have some experience, we hope our ego-free commentary helps demystify fly fishing and inspires you to visit new places and try new techniques. Today, we're joined by a friend of the fly fisher, Philip Weigel. Philip needs no introduction, but we'll give him one anyway. Philip is arguably Australia's most recognised fly fishing identity. From his home in Gordon, Philip guides lucky fly fishers on the private waters of Millbrook Lakes. But in his spare time, he loves nothing more than fishing the public waters of Western Victoria. As well as many other great titles, Philip's most recent publication was the guidebook, Fly Fishing Western Victoria. Without it, I would have been blind when I got into lake fishing. No one knows our local lakes better, and he loves fishing them at this time of year. Philip, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks very much, Peter. (laughs) (laughs) So why is fly fishing lakes in winter so good? Well, just being totally cold-blooded about it to begin with, they're one of the few options that we have because the streams are closed. Yeah. So for starters, it's lakes, from a freshwater point of view in Victoria, it's lakes or nothing. Yeah. So uh, lakes are, if you're, if you're a keen fly fisher and you don't want to have three months off, yeah. um, then lakes are, the, lakes are for you, yeah, right? That's it. That, but, but fortunately, it also happens that there are a number of highlights in winter yeah. um, from a lake fishing point of view. Um, you never have to worry about water temperature. It's always yeah. going to be cool enough. Yeah. In the height of summer, that's not always true. Yeah. Uh, there are a number of phenomena that happen over winter that don't happen as much or as importantly at other times. Yep. Midge hatches, yep. coronamid hatches, yep. uh, and smelters, fish yep. chasing bait fish. Yep. Um, they seem to be at least as active, if not more so, in the middle of winter. Yep. And you get a lot more fish around the edges in winter. So from a polaroiding point of view, you're just as likely to see a fish around the edges in winter as you are at any other time of year despite the fact that it's cold and bleak. Yeah. Um, and it's also possible that once the lake levels start to rise, particularly later in winter, um, I'm thinking August, towards the end of August, um, you'll get fish feeding in the flooded margins as the lakes rise, and that's very, very exciting. Not yeah. easy, but very exciting. And the other thing that we cross our fingers and toes for, because it doesn't happen every year, but when it does, it's just off the charts, is cockchafer beetle uh, yeah, hatches. that seems amazing. Yeah, and it's the most unlikely thing because yeah. um, you would think, I remember the first few times I saw this happen, I'm thinking, where are these beetles flying from mm. on such a cold night, you know, at Tullaroop or Hepburn or Newland or wherever I was, you know, these great big dark beetles. Beetles are something we often associate with warm weather, of course, um, spring, even summer. But these great big sort of fingernail-sized beetles going through the air, plop on the water. And it doesn't take the trout very long at all to work out what they are. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, for the first day or so, it's hilarious because they don't know what they are. And yeah. they'll push this great big chunk of protein out of the way to either size 15, <laughs> 16 midge. Yeah. But once they work out what they are, the reverse is true. You can actually blind fish a foam beetle pattern yeah. on a cold, bleak evening and have trout come out of nowhere and eat them off the top. That's amazing. Yeah, so there's a little bit of a lag at either end and yeah. the one the one at the start is annoying, but the one at the end is is a bonus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the thing is, though, that the grubs, the cockchafer yeah. grubs, drown in really wet 
wet winters. So yep. the last few winters haven't been good for yep. them. You haven't had enough. It's just been too wet. So the grubs basically drown. They obviously don't all drown, but so enough drown that there's no mass hatches. Yeah. So the way this winter's going at the moment, it's not. It's good. It's not too wet. Like yep. it's wet, but it's not yep. sopping wet. Yeah. Um. So fingers and toes crossed. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard a lot about this winter, last winter, and the winters to come are meant to be really good winters for lake fishing. Is that true? I don't I don't know. Yeah. Um so the last couple of winters have been great. Yeah. But I can't remember the last really bad winter to yeah, be okay. honest. Yeah. Um I mean, look, if you've got water and fish, yeah. You're two thirds of the way there. Yeah. Um and after that you can have nuances such as, you know, uh available food, um how cold it is. Yeah. Because cold can be a negative if it gets extreme enough. It doesn't stop things altogether. So really, really hot weather will shut fish down completely. Really, really cold weather. We don't get cold enough in Victoria, not in the um, lakes around Ballarat anyway, to to make them hibernate, as can happen. Yeah. So um, I guess... Like any fishing situation, there's the ideal and then there's whatever you're dealt with. Yeah. And whatever you're dealt with is what you really should work with because none of us, not even I, have the capacity to sort of pick and choose down to the nth degree my perfect day to go fishing. Yeah. So yeah. The, the old adage, go fishing when you can, yeah. is is very true. Yeah. Um, if you've got a choice, you'd probably rather not have a 40-knot wind. Yeah. You'd probably rather not have three-degree air temperatures um, and you'd probably not have a torrential downpour, although the last thing is more of a problem for us than it is for the fish, unless it muddies up the water. Uh, so I think it's okay to uh, to hope for good conditions, but you've also, in winter fishing, as in all fishing, you really ought to uh, make the most of the conditions you're dealt. As John Gyrak said, well, another success. We said we were going fishing and we did. Yeah. You know, <laughs> So I really like that saying because yeah. that basically sums it up. You know, you, uh, uh, w- the worst case scenario is that you've actually gone fishing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And not too many of, that's, of us find that to be a miserable experience. So that's a good mental uh, way to approach lake fishing, I think. In yeah, winter, definitely. In winter yeah. And, and at all times yeah. is work with what you've been dealt. Yeah. So having said that, so when the original question was, have the last few winters been good? Yes, they have. Um, I think the last few years have been good because there's been lots of water. So all other things being equal, lots of water is a good thing. And it's harder to have too much water on lakes than it is to have it on rivers. But still, it's possible for it to have it a little bit. Yeah. You know, you yeah. can, you can, you can, uh, you can have huge floods mm-hmm. which turn lakes to brown soup, yeah. and that's not ideal. Um, and at the other end of the spectrum, though, is drought and super, super low levels. And on a number of our shallow lakes, at least, that's a bad thing. Yeah. So, yeah, we, yeah. Try, to, we try to avoid that. And yeah. in a drought, what happens to the fish? Do they push to the middle? Do <laughs> yeah, they... so drought, droughts can work in your favour on some waters. Yeah. You know, that's for sure. Um, so on some of the um, – I'm just trying to think of some, some examples – so I've had very, very good fishing on lakes like Tullaroop, some of those big, deep, steep-sided lakes in droughts. Um, you get to sort of access shores that you never would even, wouldn't even know were there. Yeah. So the best trout I ever caught in Tullaroop I caught when the lake was at about 10%. Yeah. 
Wow. So it's really low. That's really low. Yeah, yeah, really low. But it's a big body of water to yeah. begin with. Yeah. On the other hand, Hepburn Lagoon at 10%, the fish are probably going to struggle to survive. Because yeah, even, puddle. even yeah. when it's full, it's a it's it's only going to be, you know, a, a few metres deep at best. Yeah. So there and Tolondo is another one that suffers badly when levels are really, really low. Yeah. yeah. Or completely um, dries up. Or, or completely dries up. Yeah. Um I drove past Lake Bolac the other day and that's got a lot of water in it again, but as my mate pointed out, it's probably still only two or three metres deep at yeah. the deepest point. So it's a vast sheet of water, but it's not very deep. Yeah. And then there are lakes like Bulamerai and Parambit where depth is not an, I- not an issue because <laughs> no, in the worst, in like the worst of droughts, that's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the worst of droughts, you could still sort of drive a semi in there and yeah. it would never be seen again. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So there's this... Um, there, I, think, I think all other things being equal, though, as trout fishers, if you had the choice, you would take water over lack of water. Yeah. And that's what we've had for the last few years yeah. is water. Yeah. And I think a lot of the things that trout eat like water. Yeah. I know that sounds like the bleeding obvious, but... For example, midges do very well on flooded vegetation. So obviously in wet years you get lots more of that. Yep. Um, not so much in really, really dry years. Um, I think bait fish do really well, there's no doubt. They, they're, they're, they're the sea monkeys of, of, of fish. You know, you add water and they just appear in vast numbers. Yeah, um, It's extraordinary how many minnows I've seen on some of the lakes in the last couple of years compared to during drought years their numbers did tend to dwindle a little bit on some waters so they obviously are able to breed a lot more successfully and they may even be programmed to make the most of that abundance of really really wet years so minnow abundance is a good thing if you're a trout fisher because trout like to eat the minnows they like to eat the australian smelt the galaxias is there is there better lakes for galaxias and smelt feeders Yes, there are. Yeah. Um, so I think that the the best smelter lakes, where I've sort of almost tie on a smelt pattern, if I'm if I'm walking down to the water for one of a better fly, and we could talk talk later about preparation. Yeah. Um, but put on a Tom Jones or a or a or a cat fly or yeah. a green zonker or something, and walk down to the water. Uh, I think Murable, There's good smelters there. There's good smelters at Newland. There's good smelters at Hepburn, good smelters at Tullarup, even though it's very dirty at the moment. I've still seen fish smelting there, despite the discoloration. And all three Grampians lakes are capable of having good smelters, but especially Wartook. Yeah. Wartook has abundant um, yeah, okay. minnows. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And yeah. in winter, they spawn along the rocky shores. Yeah, right. So that's an added sort of incentive for the fish to get stuck into them. Yeah, and, and in and close. An, and, and another winter feature yeah 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 you know, and a lot yeah. of uh, as as a rule a lot of these minnow species do tend to spawn and breed in winter and those spawning congre- congregations give the give the whole smelting thing a bit of a kick yeah yeah, you know, there's, yeah. there's the schooling there's the gathering in the shallows yeah. all those sorts of things that get yeah. the trout excited winter's really a featured season hey yeah like, it is. as it featured is. as spring and yeah it and is autumn. it is yeah. it is yeah. it's very much you know, it's not like oh dear, it's winter. It's oh good, it's winter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If and if you are a Victorian lake fisher, then winter is is very good. It's and, exciting, and it's and it's and it's good further afield too. Like the snowy mountains, I've yeah. got a trip in about a month. Yeah, and I'm I'm yet to have a disappointing winter fly fishing trip to the snowy mountains. Yeah. which sounds really counterintuitive yeah. because they really get seriously cold. Yeah, there. yeah. Like you're fishing in snow. Yeah. Um, and you still get your midge hatches, you still get fish in the shallows, you still get polaroiding. Yeah. I mean, Jindabyne is famous for winter polaroiding. Yeah, 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, winter is a time of year that you can really look forward to for lake fishing. Yeah. yeah. So let's break it down by region a bit. Sure. Close to Melbourne. Close to Melbourne, I think uh, Lauriston Reservoir, which I overlooked in what I said before, is one I really like. Yep. Um, good for smelters, quite good for midge fishing. Um, Murable Reservoir, jack of all trades. Uh, yep. It's got the smelters, it's got the midge feeders. It can have fish tailing in the shallows when the level starts to rise up over the new ground, the ground that's been exposed for a while and has had a chance for the worms and the bugs and the little critters to move back in. Or they get evicted by the floodwater again. <laughs> <laughs> um, Newland, just a just what you might call an oldie but a goodie. Like it's a really it's a really uh, consistent, accessible, reliable lake. Like I don't have too many blinders on Newland, but I have very few days where I go there and don't see a fish either. And it's a, so it's solid. It's an easier lake to fish too. In it's the sense easy to you fish. You can it. almost walk around it you in can, a day. You can walk around it. It's big enough to be uh, interesting, but small enough not to feel like it's an inland sea. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So that's a really that's a that's a really good good option. Look, you know, like I got to say, Peter, in in every case, don't roll up to a lake expecting to find the Stevenson River in in sort of uh, <laughs> November. Yeah, you're not going to. You're not going to be able to just throw a fly out there and a trout will come out of nowhere and eat it. That's not going to happen. Yeah. So I guess there's a there's a point where we probably should talk a little bit about late expectations, fishing, expectations, attitude, yeah. effort, yeah, focus, yeah, all those things. You know, because it's not lakes tend not to be. I'm speaking generally here. Lakes tend not to be somewhere you can just roll up to and sort of have a casual flick of a fly and pick up a few fish and then get in the car and drive home again. Yeah. They they require a bit more effort. And uh, they're gonna they're gonna bloody your nose a little bit too. Yeah, you know, oh, gonna, you're gonna go out on a on a really cold, bleak day, and have very little action, and yeah. think, "What the hell did I do that for?" Yeah. But then you're gonna go out another cold, bleak day, and you're gonna get three, four, five, six pound fish, yeah. and <laughs> no yeah. one's complaining. <laughs> no, then. no one's yeah. complaining then. Yeah. So I, I guess you've got to be able to ride those ride those peaks and troughs more so than as a stream fisher. Yeah. So because a tough day on a typical northeast mountain river is still going to get you fish and so you're still going to see fish on a on a lake that's not always going to happen yeah so you've got to treat every time you go out as more information even even a no fish day is still a learning curve a learning experience you can about where the wind blows you know it's a northwesterly where was the sheltered shore where's the weed where's the deep bits where's the channels where are the inflows um what worked what didn't so from a physical point of view, looking at a lake and thinking, what, what's, what's been a good thing about Hepburn Lagoon today? Well, the good thing about Hepburn, even though I didn't catch any fish, I found some really good holes in the weed, really good channels where I could fish a fly without getting caught up every second cast. I found a shore where the water was a bit clearer. Of course, on Hepburn in particular, the algae that's there a lot of the time will move with the wind. So the, if, the, if the wind's been blowing off ashore for a few days the water will be a bit clearer, the onshore will be a bit dirtier. Yeah. And learning that sort of stuff, you know, that little nuance stuff, even though you might not catch a fish on that day, when you go back next time, you think, now where's that wind blowing off? Yeah, that's right. So the water will be a bit clearer there. Yeah. Um, and finding out where the shallow uh, featureless areas are, where the deeper edges are, and they're even at somewhere like Hepburn, there's deeper edges. So finding all those little bits and pieces can still 
make an unsuccessful fish catching day a constructive day. Yeah, a learning experience. That's right. Yeah. 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 Where was the good access? How long did it take me to walk around to that shore? Where should I park next time? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, back on locations. Yeah. Parambit, Bulamari. Yeah, really good. Yeah. Really good lakes. Um, Parambit is the one I would rate as the easy er lake to catch a fish. Yeah. Uh. And it's a, it's a, it's just, it's one of those lakes that when you're fishing it, every cast you think something's going to happen because yeah. it is an incredibly appealing bit of water. Like it's clear, it's quite shore friendly. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's always clear. Right, so there's, you can't say that about too many lakes, but, but, but Parambit is always clear. Yeah. Go there a hundred days in a row, and it'll be clear a hundred days yeah. in a row. So yeah. that's a real plus. Yeah. If, if only for morale. Yeah. Um. It's got lots of interesting features. Uh, on the eastern half, at least, it's got a ring of weed, and that really helps um, because you've got this immediate feature, which is the weed bed inside the weed bed, out beyond the weed bed. Yeah. So if you look at if you look at pictures of um, of Parambit, uh from high up, you'll see this ring of weed, and that's a that's a real feature. And it and it's the fish love that weed. You know, they'll come out of it into the shallow water. They'll feed in it and they'll feed beyond it. And it's not a solid mass on the eastern shore. It's it's more of a sort of nice, neat uh, garden, yeah. if you like. Yeah, it looks which, like which a garden when you see through. it. Yeah. And you can even find holes in the weed bed itself that you can fish, but you can certainly fish the edges of it very, yeah. very well. Yeah. It's and Max and I have had many a day on uh, Parambit where we've, we've had great excitement with fish smashing in from the weed, often, yeah. often on minnows, and out just beyond it. Yeah, right. Which is sort of tests how far your waders go up. <laughs> yeah, and it's. do you think it's easier to fish a featured lake like that when you've got channels and pockets? and? Especially when not a lot's happening, it probably makes you feel better. So I know that one of the issues for Bolac when it's fishing well is it's featureless, right? It's, it's, it's just a, it's just a, a, a silt-bottomed bowl. There's, there's very little in the way of rocky reefs or... Or uh, weed beds, or structure any, in general, any, anything that's likely to jump out at you as gee, this looks like a good spot. Now it's not completely lacking in those things, but um, I know that on the one or two occasions I had a crack at it when it was when it had the giant rainbows in it, it was it was even for me. Am I in the right spot? Because vast too, it's huge lake, it's an inland sea. So I think you know one of the beautiful things about Parambit is you're constantly thinking this looks like a good spot. Yeah. And if you're thinking it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy, if you think something <laughs> looks good, well, you might make it good. Yeah. Because you're going to concentrate, you're going to look harder, you're going to listen. What was that? What was that back there? Oh, hang on. Yeah, I just heard something. And was that a fish? And yes, it was a fish. Yeah. It wasn't a dab chick. It was a, it was a fish smelting 100 metres back yeah, behind yeah. you. Yeah. If you don't believe... You don't hear yeah. that. You don't. You're not aware of those things that are going on around you. And yeah. ears, ears are very important for lake fishing. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. You yeah. know, I, I'm constantly amazed at how many fish I find because I heard them rather than because I saw them. Yeah. Eyes are important for sure, mm -hmm. but often it's that splash or that suck or that different noise that just catches your attention and makes yeah. you look around and see the spreading ring. Mm -hmm. Bird doesn't come up. You keep looking. Keep looking. 
when that Jesus, bird doesn't come up, Jesus, it was a fish. It was a fish. <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then you walk down there and concentrate, and and more often than not, that turns out to be midging fish or a smelting fish, or you know, if you're lucky enough on an August evening, one eating cockchafer beetles. Yeah, yeah, yeah that is that's something. That, yeah, that, that uh, that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can imagine. <laughs> um, we've also got the grampians a little bit. Yeah, so away. the grampians, the grampians are great. I should, I should just briefly before we leave Bulamera and Parambit. So Parambit, any shore in a boat, but um, eastern shore on foot is best. The marshes around the south are good to wade, but they're soft and a bit scary. You can, you know, you can, you can be walking along and hit a soft spot and just about go over your waders. So, whereas the the eastern shore, the literally the eastern half of that lake is really friendly to fish. Yeah. Good to wade, good access. Uh, you've got to walk. Um, there's only one obvious access point at the quarry but you, from which you walk either way. But once you're on the water, it's easy to walk along the bank and, and pick your spots. The western shore, not so friendly. Um, a lot of slippery rock um, that's hard to walk on. Not so many openings in the, in the weed. Um, and, yeah, and, and the actual access around the edge is a lot more treacherous, a lot more overgrown, harder to get around. Yeah. Still a good shore to fish, but um, that's one I'd rarely go to if I'm not in a boat. So keep, keep that in mind for wind if you're at Parambit. You basically, I like Parambit if there's a bit of east in the wind because that gives me comfortable fishing on the eastern shore. Now, there's exceptions to every rule. And the one at Parambit is I have friends who reckon they do very well on the eastern shore fishing big wets in the rough, yeah. in the gale. Um, and I'm sure they do, but I, the way I fish, and I fish differently to lots of, there's lots of good anglers who don't fish like I fish, but my sort of sight fishing, searching hybrid relies on not having super, super rough water if at all possible. Yeah. So I like an easterly, a northeasterly, a southeasterly, or an easterly at Parambit. Yeah. Okay. Or, or very little wind at all. Yeah, and little wind helps with com- comfortability too. Yeah, it does. Yeah, 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 yeah. Your, your stamina is likely to yeah. last if you're not being buffeted. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. Sometimes you don't get a choice, like I say, but <laughs> yeah. you know, if you if you're not being buffeted by the wind, it probably increases your staying power. Yeah. Bulamerai, brilliant shore access. It's a little bit of a bolac in the sense that. There's so much of it looks good, you do think, where, where should I start? Um, but, look, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's an intriguing, fascinating lake that grows very, very big fish. Um, but I'd definitely be starting at Parambit and then going to Bulamera rather than the other way around. Usually exceptions apply. You know? yep. There's going to be days when Bulamera will outfish Parambit without a doubt. There's great drop-offs. There's great places where you can stand up high and look down. And there's weed beds there too. Strange sort of stringy, slightly... It's like salt. curly weed? Yeah, it? no, it's, it's like grass. It's yeah, like okay, literally yeah. like flooded tussocks. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's... And, and, and fish hang around that. I mean, the, the biggest thing you're up against at Bulamerai as a rule is probably the sheer abundance of food. I read somewhere once that it is several times more fertile than Parambit, which is in, okay. in itself a fertile lake. So it, it does literally produce vast numbers of bait fish to the point where sometimes if you see a fish busting up on, on bait fish in Bulamera, you think there's that terrible, why would he bother eating my fly Yeah, with so much of the real thing? Yeah, um, That's less of a factor at, at 
Parambit. You get the sense at Parambit that whilst it's very fertile and grows very big fish, you've still got uh, there's a little bit of a sense that the fish have to work for it. Um, so on, on, on your worst days at Bulimero, you can imagine they're like baleen whales just swimming around with their mouths open, you yeah. know, just yeah, yeah, inhaling yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the soup of, uh, of little fish. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, Bulimero is very, very exciting and, and, and produces great fish too and some really big fish, uh, ridiculous growth rates at times. Uh, but probably not somewhere I'd send, send someone trying to get their lake confidence up. Yeah. Not unless there was some very, very reliable, um, up-to-date information that suggested it was worth a special trip. Um, to, on the topic of up-to-date information quickly, do you think reports are reliable, if that makes sense, or do you feel like lakes are sporadic and that one day can be good and one day can Look, be... Um, the the whole thing about reports is people just have to work out for themselves what's reliable. Now, I'm obviously going to say that if you see something on Flystream, whether that be on the forum or on the magazine page, you know, I do my level best to make sure that information that goes up there is 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 reliable and accurate, right? If a stranger puts something up on Facebook, it might be right, it might not be. Um, I, I, I said once that I reckon uh, when it comes to social media fishing reports, the successful anglers want to keep it to themselves and the, uh, and the unsuccessful ones want, want to share their lack of success. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> they want to feel isolated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. I'm not catching anything at such and such. How about you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so, and the, and the ones that are are just going, hmm, I'll keep it quiet. Yeah, that's like, fine, you know, that's, yeah. that, that, that's no, that's no uh, criticism. It's just human nature. Fishermen are famous for keeping their successes a little bit quiet. Yeah. Um, so there's two th- two things. Yes, by all means, if you get a good report from from a shop, right? Yeah. Um, where, where the fly where, fisher from the fly fisher <laughs> where yeah. wherever where, you shop. Yeah, wherever you, wherever you shop. But the fly fisher, you know, th- if they've had, they'll have a bit of a sense of who's. Quite right. often, we get you know. When you get you get a handful of people giving you a good report on one place, you're Correct. like, oh, that's, it's good. That, that's pretty yeah. good intel. Yeah. And you'd get to know your customers over time, the regular ones, and you'd think, well, so-and-so is pretty reliable. Yeah. You know, if he says he caught, you know, I know that James McDonald's shops with you. Yeah. So, James, you've come a long way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he has. Yeah. And James is, uh, if James tells you he caught three, four-pounders, he caught three, yeah. four-pounders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Um, and that, that's, 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 you can take that to the bank. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that I just, I plucked him out of thin air. Mm-hmm. You know, there's plenty of other oh, friends of mine who, 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 who call in there and, um, yeah, they'll tell you, tell you you've had a tough day too. And that's, yeah. that's useful information. Yeah. Yeah. Went to so-and-so, went there twice, didn't see a fish. You think, okay, someone comes into the shop and says, well, should I go to Lake X? Uh, and you think, well, I've got to be honest, the last two uh, so-and-so is not a bad angler he's been there twice and hasn't seen one so why don't you go to X where someone else has seen a few fish so yeah. those those sorts of reports are good but I do think from my personal point of view I don't put too much stead in reports because A, things can change so fast and B, I rely heavily on what I call the fundamentals so I like to look at recent water history so if a lake's had a good amount of water in it for a reasonable period of time, that simply gives the opportunity for the fish to survive. Now, in recent years, that's been almost a given, but that's not all, the, the recent years aren't, always, aren't how it's always going to be. 
Um, so that's the first thing I take into account. The second thing is stocking rates. Now, the VFA, Victorian Fisheries Authority, have the fish stocking database. Google it, and it will give you every fish that's gone into a given water. So search by water, t- type in Newland Reservoir, and it will give you every fish that's been stocked in Newland Reservoir in whatever date range you want. Yeah. So you might want to go back, I reckon four years is probably useful. So go back to, say, 2019 and see what's gone in. Um, go on. Say we're in 2023 right yep. now. Yep. If I catch a two-pound fish, when was that stocked? Last year. Last year. Okay. Most likely. Yep. In most of our lakes, again, with the usual buts and ifs and yep. exceptions, yep. a two-pounder is likely to have been in the lake by this winter, it's been in there for about a year. Yeah, okay, cool. Right? Yeah. And depending on the on the water, it could be a bit smaller or it could be a bit bigger. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's that's probably been in there for a year. Because when you look at stocking rates with varying levels, you it kind of gives you a bit of confidence if you know, if it, you know. Yeah, that's right. 2,000 right. fish yeah, were put yeah. in last and year. And it'll always yeah. be a pyramid. So, yeah. so there'll always be a tendency for um, there to be fewer fish for every year class. I mean, mortality increases over time so there'll be there'll be more two-year-olds than three-year-olds and more three-year-olds than four-year-olds but nevertheless that foundation of that good stocking will flow through in the case of brown trout for for you know four or five years and with rainbows for three or four years yeah yeah so i look i I like to look back you Mm -hmm. know yeah and and see see what's likely to have if you like survived if if water conditions have been been suitable. So that's the first thing. I look at the fundamentals. And then I look at... So that's sort of like stocking history and water level history. Um, and then... And you can you can search the water level his, history of any of the man-made lakes. Again, I, you know, goblin broken... Um, water. Go, go, goblin broken water, thank you. Uh, Wimmera... Uh, Grampians, Mallee, Wimmera water. Um Holoban water, yep. and you can see what the water history's been. So, as I say, it's almost um, you're going through the motions right now in 2023 because the water history in just about all of them has been very, very good. Central Highlands water for, um, for local, for Mirable yep. and Talbot and Cosgrove and those lakes. Yeah, uh, Wendaree is pretty much guaranteed to always have water in it, so you don't have to worry about that. Apart um, from when it dried up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that, that's, was like that, 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 that's the best guarantee you can <laughs> yeah. have because they're, they're, they're never going to let that happen again. No, no. All the mistakes that were made aren't yeah. going to be repeated. Good. So yeah. I think, I think uh, it, it'll, be a, it'll be a cold day in hell, as they say, if, uh, <laughs> <laughs> if Wendaree's ever allowed to dry up again. Yeah, that's right. Didn't go down very well in Ballarat. No, I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's stick back to locations. Grampians. Yeah, so fabulous place one of the things i love peter about a destination so parambit bulamerai central victorian highlands where you've got mirable newland hepburn i like fishing places where there's another another good option nearby now in the grampians you have at least three so you've got fines bellfield and wartook so if if something's not quite right or you just want to change it's only a 20 or 30 minute drive to go from one to the other so that's that's one great strength of the Grampians. Second great strength of the Grampians is it's just a beautiful place to fish. Like often where we'll just be fishing at fines, we'll just look at each other and say, look at where we are, you know? Yeah. With this massive mountain range in the background and mm-hmm. this clear water and this sandy beaches. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, it's just a really 
pleasurable place to fish. And that's the same for all three of those lakes. Yeah. So the, that, that, that's the, the first great strength of the Grampians is the quality of the environment and the fact that you've got options close by. So that if for whatever reason, you know, if having the World Water Ski Championships at Lake Fyans, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't have to sort of get in your car and drive back to Melbourne. No. You can go, okay, well, we'll go to Belfield or Wartook. Yeah. Um, so they're all solid. They're all uh, uh, a, a small pain in the butt at the moment with fines is they're doing this interminable work, work on the wall. And if you haven't been to Lake Fines, about half the shore is wall and about half the shore is inaccessible while they do their work. So that's a real nuisance. Supposed to be finished like, you know, a bit of a Westgate tunnel thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Supposed to have been Classic finished state government a long, long yeah. time ago. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's too wet, mate. Or, you know, the supply change. Some of them probably legitimate reasons. Yeah. But for whatever reason, it's just dragging on and on and on. However, there's still plenty of good shore to fish. But the sooner they get that wall fixed, the better. And if you're in a boat, it's irrelevant. Yeah. And boating facilities at Fines are excellent. Very good launching and so forth. Uh, Belfield. um, Belfield's probably the one I would steer the less experienced angler away from initially because uh, although the trout love it, in a, on most shores it's pushed back into uh, a lot of timber. And if there's, a, if there's a slight downside from an angler point of view of all this water, as I see that Belfield's back up to 91%, so it briefly went down a little bit, now it'll be back up in those dead trees. And even if you're not in the dead trees, you'll have trees on your back cast. So it's just a little bit of a cluttered and pokey place to fish. It's sort of like the, the lake equivalent of fishing a pokey little creek. Yeah. Now it's really good. I really like it. And if you've got a boat, you can get out into the open water beyond that. Though non-powered, you can't, okay. you can't have a combustion engine. You can only have an electric yeah. motor or oars. Yeah. Um, so that's probably the one I'd say... Wait till you've got you're pretty confident in your casting and ability to negotiate tight places before yeah, you and fish. And fighting fish as well, and in fighting timber. fish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very good point. Very good yeah. point. So you've got to keep that in mind for Belfield. Um, War talks very very user friendly. Uh, although again, sort of be careful what you wish for. That water level is starting to push back up, and if it pushes back up into the edges too much, it starts to cut back on the shores you can fish on foot because you're back up in the tea tree. Yeah. It's quite shallow shores. So when the water level comes up, um, it pushes back into the scrub and it gets difficult to get around. Worst case scenario, the wall uh, of Wartook is not like a normal dam wall. It's just like this sort of angler, perfect, um, nearly kilometre long structure of gently sloping sandstone. So you'll find on a lot of lakes... Uh, we're either discouraged or banned from going anywhere near the dam walls. But at Wartook, the wall is a recognised feature to fish from and it does open up a lot of water. So if you're shore-based at Wartook, the wall is a good option. The only downside of it is if there's a howling northerly, it comes straight onto that wall. So you can still catch fish, but yep. it, it does does limit it. So you'd be thinking a little bit about wind direction when you went to fish Wartook. From a boat, of course, all that's irrelevant and um the launching facilities at Wartook are really really good yeah do you yeah. think the boat's the advantage in the grampians or uh i'd give it it's going to become a bit more of an advantage at Wartook as that level rises uh it's handy at uh belfield but launching's difficult 
Uh, so if you've got a kayak or a small boat or even, um, you know, a pack raft or something, that, that, that's probably worth thinking about somewhere like Belfield. Uh, but, yeah, is, is the launching worth the hassle? Don't, I don't know. probably gets harder as that lake level gets up. Uh, yeah, so war took, I think it's probably, it probably falls over the line of, as being an advantage. Uh, fines until the wall's fixed probably falls over the line as being an advantage. But in none of those lakes is it essential. Yeah. Uh, Max and I had a trip there uh, a few weeks ago and we, we, we never brought a boat. We were just shore-based. And there weren't too many occasions where I think we felt we were missing out because we, because we didn't have a boat. And often when we do have boats on those lakes, we use them just to get around yep. and then get out and fish the shore. Yep. Is there anywhere in Victoria that a boat's an advantage or is it it's essential it to have can, a boat to can, fish? It, in, in all the lakes, it can be an advantage. So, for example, we were talking about Purrumbeet before. Yep. Having a boat enables you to access that, to fish that western shore, which I think is pretty unfriendly from the bank. You know, exception to every rule, but you can get to any shore you like um, in a boat and fish from the boat back to the shore. So western shore of Parambit's handy. Bulamerai, eh, yeah, not really. I think you can get away with that. I don't think I'd bother dragging a boat down to Bulamerai. Mm -hmm. If I had a boat with me, great, yeah. I might use it, but I don't think there's enough of an advantage. Uh, I feel the same about Tullaroop. You know, a boat on Tullaroop is a convenience, not, an not, an, not a necessity. There's so much good um, shore-based access, keeping in mind that presently Tullaroop is very discoloured. Hopefully it'll clear up soon, but at the moment it's borderline fishable because it's so dirty. Yep. Uh, and what else can I... Well, I guess if you went to Wartook and it was howling northerly, you probably wouldn't be that keen to fish it anyway, but if you had to fish it, having a boat would let you get to some shores where you could fish from the bank that you couldn't walk to practically. Um Quite often yeah. a boat's just an access tool, isn't it, it to is an get access to tool. a bank? I don't, I don't want to downplay boats too much, but because, um, you know, they have their moments. So things like wind lanes, they're great. You know, my brother is an incredible wind lane fisher, and if you're in a boat with him on a wind lane on Wartalk, uh, you wouldn't have it any other way, Yeah. right? But even then, after a couple of hours, he'll tell you this, I'll say, look, I'd like to get out and fish off the bank for a little bit, please. You know, so um, even where they're absolutely undeniably advantageous, like like that wind lane fishing um, on some of those lakes, they're still they're still not the be all and end all for me personally. But look, I've got some I've got some very good friends, yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> as yeah. the saying goes, yeah, who who who, who did dedicated boat fishing. Yeah. I think at Wendaree, a boat's a really nice thing to have simply because you can get away from. The people jogging and walking yep. their dogs and, you know, getting in the way of your back yeah, cast, basically. Yeah, you can yeah. still fish Wendery really well from the shore, and I have this year and caught some very nice mm -hmm. fish. But the freedom of being off that bank, you know, Wendery transforms from like a, from the botanical garden, so to speak, <laughs> yeah. to a really quite big, wild and interesting lake yeah. when you're out on it in a boat. A bit more solitude when yeah. you're in a boat too. Yeah, and yeah. we shouldn't underestimate Wendery. It's, no. in, it's really good at the moment. The I, I like it. Talking about reports, that's one place yeah, in the shop that we're solid. getting. Yeah, it's been solid. It's yeah. solid. Yeah. 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 Um, it that's a reliable it. report, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's been really, <laughs> yeah. really... I don't fish it as much as I probably should, but you can't be everywhere. But I think that... Uh, Wendaree had a little bit of a uh, iffy period for a couple of years there. Various explanations. Weed, weed was too thick, too close to the surface. 
fish weren't having to leave it. I don't know. Do you no. think the weed being thick is bad for the fish or bad for the angler? Bad for the angler. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it wasn't It wasn't that it was hurting the fish as such, I yeah. don't think. I don't think anyone was suggesting that. It was just that the fish didn't have to go leave the weed to feed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and if they did, they only had like one or two feet of water above the weed to feed in. Yeah. So I think, and you'd want to check this from a more reliable source to me, but I think the weed seems to have been being cut a bit deeper. That's what I've heard. Yeah, too. and therefore the fish are more out and about and yeah. accessible. Yeah, they have to yeah. leave the weed to feed. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So yeah. it's a much more encouraging place to fish when you don't think, you know, if the fish is in the lower several feet, they're in the weed. Yeah. They have to be in the top foot before they even get to see them fly. Yeah. 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 So, no, Wendery is really good. And I think a boat, yeah, again, it's not essential. No way yeah. is it essential, but yeah, it's, a, it's pretty nice to have a boat there. Yeah. 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 Um, and like Parambit Western Shore, we've already covered that. So, yeah, you can happily fish the Western Victorian lakes without a boat, yeah. but there are some where it's nice to have one. Yeah. Without yeah, it being yeah. essential. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. I'm struggling. Um, I'm thinking, you know what? There's one lake where it's yeah. almost essential. Yeah. Alingamite. All right. Okay, yeah, now yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the third uh, member of the Parambit Bulimeri family. Yeah. Yeah, one uh, doesn't get spoken about very often. And all. I reckon a big part of the reason for that is because it's not very, it's it's nearly impossible to fish from the bank. Yeah, yeah, right? okay, yeah. And so for a lot of people, that immediately puts it off their radar. Uh, it's a little bit out on its own too. It's a little bit further away. Parambit and Bulamara are only about 10 k's apart. It's probably another 20 or 30 k's further south mm-hmm. to Alingamite. But Alingamite is a great bit of water, but mm-hmm. you do need a boat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just it's got this really boggy, marshy shore that makes it very difficult to yeah, get okay. around and fish yeah. on foot. Yeah. How about the Snowies as a destination? Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. overwintered too. Overwinter. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The lakes open all year round. Yeah. 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 You just gotta you gotta be sensible where you go. Um, so you know you don't <laughs> you've got to you got to have a proper boat. Yeah. Right. If you're yeah. going to go out in a boat, yeah. I mean, you can fish from the bank happily. But and the bank fishing is good. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But if you're going to go out in a boat, um, my mate Steve Dunn would would think it was very remiss of me not to say that's a very dangerous place to fall in in winter. Yeah. Because the water's so cold. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you just need a really sort of seaworthy boat for those big lakes. You know, on Tantangra. Uh, you can be in itself and Jindabyne are all very big, big lakes. And in the wrong wind, there's a big fetch. They're rough. And you just, you, you've got to, if you're going to go out, you've either got to really know your weather or you've got to be in a boat that's capable. Are they lakes that's really dependent on the level of them? Uh, Does no. it dictate their fishing? No. No, no. There's there's advantages to just about yeah. every level. Okay, good. Yeah. So, um, you know, on any lake, I've said, I've written before, if I could pick and choose, I would like the level to be rising. But that doesn't mean that if the lake's falling slowly, it's problematic. And there are occasions where a fast-falling lake can even work to your advantage. Yeah. Because it uh, causes the food to sort of get, have to retreat, so to speak. Um, I've had very good fishing at Eucumbeen when the lake is lowish and dropping because the yabby beds are exposed. And I'm sure that the wave action and so forth is dislodging yabbies and they're feeding on them. So bleak conditions like just looks like something out of, you know, 
the gates of hell. Yeah. <laughs> Bare yeah. clay, dust storms, and 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 you know icy winds, and these waves smashing and muddying up the water. But there are five and six pound browns in there eating up, eating the yabbies, eating what big woolly buggers. Why are we using yeah big woolly buggers in the middle yeah. of the day? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, so that's a that's a classic case of you know dealing with the condi- conditions you're dealt. Not much good for midge fishing, but fantastic <laughs> for uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fantastic for for getting big browns on the yabby on big feeders. Waves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so yeah, I. All, all, all things being equal, we'd all like stable or slowly rising levels. Um, sounding like a farm, but if they're rising too fast, yeah, their fish can the fish love it, but yeah. they're eating worms, you know, fifty meters out and ten feet down. Yeah, that's because the lakes come up too fast. Yes, that's hard fishing. That's hard fishing. Yeah, yeah. and I've seen that with my own eyes at yeah. uh, Tantanga, especially, which yeah. can which can rise dramatically, mm-hmm. very very quickly. Yeah, um, and. You just think you're rubbing your hands together at all this beautiful flooded grass and all these beetles and worms and things coming out, and then you're thinking, why aren't we catching anything? And then some. Then you think, well, that's because in the complete safety of ten foot of water, fifty meters out there somewhere, they're just casually eating worms off the bottom. Um, and can you fish for them when they're ten feet down eating worms off the bottom? Might go somewhere else. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe yeah. you can to prove a point. Yeah. Yeah. But it really does make life very, very uh, difficult. Whereas and not the, a very exciting type of fishing either. Well, if you did work it out, yeah, yeah. and you'd be competing with a lot of so you yeah. could you could do it to prove a point, but yeah. I I've usually left before I because um, the thing about the snowies is there's always somewhere that's good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Again, it's that thing of options. Yeah. You know, you're not you're not hanging your hat on that sort of tantangra fishing. You can drive for half an hour and you're back on Newcombean. Drive for forty five minutes or an hour and you're back at Jindabyne. That's so you've yeah. Got, you've got you've got. Yeah, one of those is going to be good. Yeah, we're really lucky with lakes. Oh, we're like very that. lucky with it's lakes. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, the f- and the and the fish populations in those snows lakes at the moment are just off the charts. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. if you can't catch them, at least you know they're there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, your flies in front of a fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sometimes that's all you need to keep you yeah, going. That's I think right, that's right. Yeah. Really good polaroiding at Jindabyne. Yeah, even in winter. Yeah, especially in winter. okay, especially cool. in winter. Yeah. Steep bank. Blue sky day. You've got to you've got to wait wait for the right conditions. But getting up, not not your Tasmanian wade polaroiding. It's up high, really good with a friend. Yeah. And looking down and looking for the fish cruising the edges, trying to put condition back on having spawned. Yeah, that's yeah. exciting fishing. It's exciting like fishing. High bank serious, seriously, yeah. seriously big fish. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and what what flies would you present be presenting to those? Well, you've got two options, or yeah. and and I I wouldn't class myself as an expert on this, but the two things that have worked for me. Strangely enough, is either throwing a big fly like a like a nice black woolly bugger or olive woolly bugger, yep. and almost letting it flutter down in front of the fish and watch it come over and eat it. Don't move it too much, um, or the good old stick caddis under an indicator. Yeah. Yeah. You know that's been a, that's been a real really good fly for me for winter fishing in the snowies on all the lakes. Not many fish will swim past a stick caddis, mm-hmm. um, and it's. Clear water, so they're going to see it from a long way away. Yeah. So, and you can be in, in the right parts of you can be in the really steep shores, especially on the western side, around the you can be in dam and so forth. You can do the same thing. You can get up high and look down. Yeah. And see them. Yeah. And you can see them around the boulders and things on other shores too. Yeah. Um, and midging, don't discount midging. My God, I've seen fish midging when I couldn't stand to be in the water because of the cold long enough. To properly fish to them, had to yeah. like you know, I always had to run back to the shore, bore <laughs> out. Yeah, yeah. They're rising again, run back out. Yeah. Cast, cast. Yeah. Leg seizing up, leg seizing up. <laughs> oh, quick, quick, yeah, quick, yeah, yeah. Eat my fly. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah. Like that cold. Yeah. That yeah. yeah. And you speak about and reading fly stream being comfortable when you're fishing is yes, the battle yes, yes. so in so uh, so i i suspect that when that was happening i probably was a little bit light on with the thermals and the and the and the right pair of waders yeah. and so forth you know just a few layers and that wouldn't have been happening but i i have a distinct memory of that happening to me on jindabyne where i literally could not stay in the water long enough to fish effectively yeah. these midging fish yeah. that's how cold it was yeah and you can get that here near ballarat too yeah, you absolutely could, yeah, absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah, you, yeah, you've got to dress for it. Um, but the midge fishing, don't think, you know, midge, they've got antifreeze in their blood. They are designed for cold. Yeah. And they're not very big, but three times the protein of steak, the fish go, <laughs> <laughs> I'll have some of that, you know. <laughs> Something that's made up entirely of hemoglobin <laughs> yeah. is, a, is a pretty, pretty uh, appealing, Efficient appealing snack, yeah. uh, snack. They yeah. might, mightn't be big, but they're tasty. Yeah, yeah, but, you yeah. know, like Smarties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or caviar. Yeah. Yeah, so trout, like, trout will eat, 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 be surprisingly fixated on, on small midge. Yeah. And uh, in the snowies, I've learnt over time that they will midge in the middle of winter, in the dead of winter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So midges yeah. are a reliable winter hatch? Yeah. Well, as much as anything could be reliable uh, uh, in, yeah. in, in fishing land, yeah. Yeah. you know. Yeah. But you'd certainly, if it wasn't terribly windy, you'd be looking out for them, particularly towards evening. Yeah. 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 And first thing in the morning or just evening? I in, First thing in the morning, I'm not going to be out there. But yeah, by all means, if you are, have a look. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 I'm, I, I, as... Uh, as as you may or may not have heard, I'm not not the world's best morning person. When it's minus five, that's certainly the <laughs> no, case. No, no, yeah. I want the pipes to thaw enough yeah. that I can make a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you mentioned cockchafer beetles earlier. Uh, we've yep. got midge. What other winter hatches are there? Uh, that's that's the the best of the reliables. Yeah. Right. So a lot of insects are still dormant in the sense of emerging, so creating a rise. Yeah. Uh, there's yeah. certainly it's it's a mistake to think that mud eyes and damselflies and all these other insects that we associate with summer aren't actively out and about in the middle of winter. Yeah. I've caught trout in Hepburn in July with damselfly nymphs in their mouths. Yeah, wow. So those insects are still down there. They're predatory. They're mm-hmm. down there doing their thing in the depths of winter. So the really aggressive, active um, insects, yabbies, Damselfly nymphs, mud eyes, uh, aka dragonfly nymphs. Yeah, they're they're out and about, busily eating at all times, and are, and are available to the fish. Yes, they emerge in summer and the warm months. Yeah, but in terms of being out and about and active, they're doing it all the time. And yeah. yabbies, of course, are ubiquitous. They're there. They're as likely to be trout food in July as in January. Mm-hmm. In fact, yeah. maybe more so in July because there's less to less competing for the attention of the trout. Yeah. 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 So... And you've you mentioned yabbies a fair bit, so are we talking big woolly buggers to imitate them? Yeah, or, for yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think... Oh, look, you know, who knows what goes through their tiny brains, but um, I think a lot of the time when trout eat a woolly bugger, they're eating it as um, a yabby. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Not always...
it you lose it due to tip, tip failure. Tippet tip failure. Yeah. That's a real shame, I reckon. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that's sort of that's haunts yeah. you for years to come. Yeah. Yeah. If, and, if it was avoidable, yeah. it's a real shame. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and do you always fish a tapered leader? Yeah, the tapered leader is usually the 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 backbone, if yeah. you like. So I'm likely to start off with a pretty stock standard nine foot um, one or two X leader. Mm-hmm. And then the bit that's going to vary a lot for me is going to be the tippet, yeah. which will be one of those fluorocarbons. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know whether I've got any foundation for saying this, but it seems to me that for breaking strain versus diameter, the true breaking strain, however you define that, yeah. of fluorocarbon yeah. seems better than nylon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I know it's more expensive, but I think it's worth... And I still say to people, you know, you, you've you spent, you know, a hundred bucks on the petrol, you spent a thousand, two thousand bucks on your fly rod, etc., etc., etc. Are you going to die in a ditch over a one dollar meter of tippet? Yeah, you no, know. you're not. Yeah, <laughs> you really shouldn't be. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah even if you're if, if you're a tight ass like me, yeah, yeah um, still, still, I think that's money, money well spent. Yeah, yeah. And are you a tippet ring guy or I not? I'm struggling. To make my mind up about okay, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can absolutely, I know some very good anglers who are, and that's worth a lot to me, right? So when you when someone who you really admire uses a tippet ring, you think there's something to this. However, I've had a couple of uh, occasions where I thought that the tippet ring connection wasn't as good as the surgeon's knot connection. Okay, interesting. So I don't know. I'm at the jury's Undecided. I, I sort of, I was, I, I didn't like them. Then I did. And now I'm sort of not so sure again. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. They, they make, a, from a functional point of view, they make a lot of sense. I just don't know whether, and this is probably, you know, my mistake, but I just feel that I, I don't have total faith in the, in the um, knots. Yeah. Yeah. Versus a, like a triple surgeon's. All the biggest fish I've landed, salt or fresh, the leader, the tippet connection's been a triple surgeon and it's held. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I can't say the same about tippet ring. Okay. But that yeah. might be my fault. Yeah. Right? So, but what what can I tell you? It's one of those things where everyone's experience is different again. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I love the idea that you're not constantly cutting back into your leader as you're changing tippet. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. So by all means, give it a go. You know, I won't judge you, but for me personally, I'm not sure. Yeah. It's a short answer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for big lake fish, if it was Stevenson River, I wouldn't care. Oh no. Yeah. 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 yeah I'm yeah, talking yeah. about you know someone who hates getting broken off. Yeah, and you know when you got a six pound fish on the end of your mm. line, you want to land that fish. You do so. want to land yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Which brings us to big nets, probably. Yeah. Good. Thank <laughs> you for touching on that. Yeah. So honestly, if you're gonna carry a net, which yeah. I strongly recommend yeah. you do, it's got to be a big one. Yeah. You know, it's got to be able to accommodate the biggest trout you're ever likely to catch in your entire life. Yeah. And I tell people, if you use it just once, you'll think it's the best money you've ever spent, right? So, uh, and I hear that they get in the way and stuff. Well, I've got a huge hoop on my McLean's. Yeah. And it goes on a little magnet on the back of my vest. I've got a a lanyard. Yeah. And I wouldn't know it's there Mm -hmm. until I need to net a big fish. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not in the way. Certainly yeah. not for lake fishing. No. Even river fishing, if it does catch on something, you've got the lanyard so you know that it's falling You're not going to lose it. You're not yeah. going to lose no. it. Yeah. yeah. You've got to have the lanyard though. Yeah. Lake or even just for the, st- the sheer stupidity, I've occasionally put my net down and gone off. Yeah. 
to start fishing again. Yeah. Oh, I haven't put my net back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, another yeah. fish has moved or something. Yeah. And I just feel, oh, what's that resistance? Oh, yeah. it's stuck on the lanyard. Yeah. So you've got to have the lanyard. Yeah. Yeah, a maybe. really basic piece of equipment that's yeah. going to save you a lot of heartache. It's a marginal marginal yeah. gain, isn't it? Yeah, 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 definitely. And it's not in the way. Yeah. And yeah, but I think a magnet seems to me to be the best connection because yeah. you can literally pull the net off. Yeah. I mean, before I had used lanyards, the weakness of a uh, magnetic connection was the net could come off too easily. Mm-hmm. But now I've got the lanyard, that's no longer an issue. Yeah. 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 So long as it's ma- basically going to hold the net there. So I've, got, I've used some of the clips and yeah. it's just another thing to do while you're fighting a big yeah. fish. Yeah. Whereas if you just go yank, off it comes, yeah. there's your net. And the magnets are strong too. They're they, strong. Yeah. They're strong. Yeah. They're just right. Yeah. They're just right. Yeah. So yeah. can can your net just still fall off? Yes, it can. Yeah. If you yeah. catch it on a tree or a yeah. fence or something. Yeah. But if you've got your lanyard, you're not going to lose your net. Yeah. 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 Um, and I want to touch on the bigger hoops for when you're netting a fish on your own, you need all the reach you can get. Yeah, you need like, all the reach. So handle length is obviously a compromise between, um, well, the 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 physics of you know you don't want to be holding the end of a broomstick with a no. with a ten pound fish on the other yeah. end you won't be able to lift it out yeah. uh, but you've got to have a bit of reach too but the big hoop adds reach in itself that's right but it's more I'll tell you a funny story Peter I lost briefly found it again no I didn't lose it a very this is a funny story a very well-meaning client after a day's day's guiding at Millbrook when we were packing up to go home. He thought he'd grabbed his mate's net and put it in the car Oops. and drove it back to whoop whoop, mm. and the net he'd taken was actually my net, <sighs> and I was guiding the next day, and I'll tell you, I felt like someone had cut one of my arms off <laughs> when I got up the next morning and my net wasn't there. Found yeah. out where it was that yeah. I didn't have a net, yeah. so Mark said, "Don't worry, you can use one of my spares." <laughs> so I used. I spent the day going with a, with a normal normal net. <laughs> Let's just you know what, what the yeah. net that everyone uses, whatever yeah. the sort of standard net is. Yeah. And it was the most nerve-wracking day. <laughs> Thankfully, I didn't lose any fish, but I was trying to net. It was like I felt like I was trying to thread the trout through a needle. <laughs> you know, that's what it felt yeah. like after yeah. my great big sort of net where they just want to fall into it. Yeah, and you like the McLean's nets for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're the yeah, best. They're really good. They they're are. Really good the hoop nets. size and shape yeah, and hoop, the handle yeah, length. And I'm, look, I'm sure there are other great brands. Yeah. So. By no means yeah. am I saying McLean's are all you can, but but yeah. hey, you know it, it's a bit like that tippet I've just told you about yeah. The, yeah. the Rio and the Trout Hunter. I mean, if it's good, you tend not to say this is all I need, but I'll try something different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I don't want to be seen to be ignoring what might be other perfectly good uh, brands and stuff out there. Yeah. But the McLean's have been really good. Yeah, yeah, the, and, the, and yeah. it's great to have great to have the scale and the scale is yeah. accurate. Yeah, Online, it's I, I ridiculously accurate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it's yeah. easy to test. Just get a two-litre bottle of milk and, or, yeah. you know, some yeah. dumbbell weights or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, yeah. they're, 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 they're as near as damn it to accurate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, it's nice to actually know the weight of your fish. So when you yeah. go back to the pub at the end of the day it or is, back home, yeah. you can actually be yeah. honest. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And just for your own, you know, own records. Yeah, that's exactly right. Diary, so yeah. it's nice to be able to actually know that that's exactly how much That's another thing like. I wanted to touch on. Only for a comparison point of view. Yeah, the, yeah. keeping a diary, the importance of that. I, I, I think it's important. Yeah. Look, I guess if you don't get out a lot... Maybe it's less important, but for someone like me who gets out a lot, it's, you get some really good information. Yeah. And um, it's amazing how unreliable memory is, mine especially. Yeah. You know, you'll think that something happened in April two years ago, and in fact, it happened in August four years ago. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a fairly big discrepancy. That's a very, yeah. 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 Sort of, they were on the smelt on the 
east shore of Parambit in April are no, it was actually August four yeah. years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and they're the sort of tricks that your memory can play on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it's written down, you just go, and I yeah. keep an online diary these days, and it's just, you know, search, yeah. you know, yeah. Parambit smelters. Yeah. And, and there yeah. they are. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Damn, yeah. It, was, it was August. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. 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 No, so, that idea of a diary is yeah. good and something that should be promoted a lot more yeah, for people that fish and, regularly. And, and, and just give yourself prompts, you know, so just, yeah. you know, you just a structure. Need, yeah, where, where you went, what day, what times, water temperature, air temperature, wind direction, uh, best flies, what you caught, and a comment section for the fish went mad on the smell at 2 o'clock in the afternoon yeah. on that shore up near the windmill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Because that kind of thing can repeat. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Even if it's not totally reliable, yeah. chances are when there's natural phenomena, phenomena like that, a similar set of circumstances a few years down the track can produce the same. Yeah. You know, I can think of shores of Lake Eucumbine where I'll be next month where I'll be very confident I'll be able to Polaroid fish off the steep banks because I've done it a few times at the same <laughs> That's time That's amazing, year. yeah. 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 I won't be guaranteed of it, yeah. but I'll be... And you know what? I'll probably look harder because I think I'll That's see right. it. That's right, yeah. Because I have yeah. before it this time of year. And it's just a confidence stroke too. It is. Yeah. It is. Absolutely. It's all a, bit of a, all a bit of a loop, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Confidence yeah. begets success. Confidence and comfortability, I think. Yeah, comfort's really good. Yeah. So for winter fishing, yeah, we can't, we can't stress that enough. Yeah. Um, you're just going to stay out there and fish harder and longer and actually enjoy yourself more if you're dry and warm. Yeah. You know, so don't, don't, uh, don't try to sort of push the boundaries in that respect. Just wear, wear the good gear, wear the yeah. good gloves, wear the beanies, wear the, wear the good, w- good waterproof jacket is just an absolute, it's not, not a luxury, it's essential. Yeah, yeah. And once the, you're wet, oh, you're buggered. And the weather out here changes so quickly. Yeah. I was at Dean once and yeah. it was sunny and then it snowed yeah. within an hour. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Yep, yep. And yeah. if you're wet, you're buggered. Yeah, that's right. Basically, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the day over. So, you you know, you get a bit wet during a summer thunderstorm and you're probably okay, but yeah. in the middle of July, once you're wet, that's the day finished. Yeah. So you've got to have a good jacket. You've got to have good waders, obviously. Um and thermals, I reckon, make a hell of a difference for a very small extra bit of bulk. Um, good gloves. Um, you've got to be able to use your fingers, though, so think about that. Um, the good fly shops will have plenty of good ideas for you there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, for me, a beanie, yeah. my ears get cold. You know? <laughs> yeah, just the little things. It's, it's, yeah. It is the little things, though, yeah, that yeah. when the fishing's slow, they're the things that will just yeah. play on your but mind if you, constantly. If you're just comfortable. Yeah, that's right. Matter. That's exactly yeah, right. Just yeah. like, may as well be a summer's day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when yeah. you're so toasty. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, now, just to finish up, we'll cover some actual fishing techniques. Speed yep. of retrieve. Yep. Um, I err towards slow. Yep. Um, I rightly or wrongly believe that fish would rather an easy meal than a difficult meal, especially trout. Yeah. It's a bit different with some of the natives and estuary species, but let's leave them to one side. Yeah. You know, for fast growing, aggressive, mostly switched on fish like trout, I don't think they often have to be annoyed into eating. They're yeah. basically eating more often than not. And, you know, if you're only as successful as your last meal, you'd rather catch it. Yeah. So, so long as you can convince a fish that your fly is alive or food, don't make it too hard for them. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that that's a that's a simplistic way of saying um, I like to fish flies reasonably slow. Figure eight retrieve would be my favourite yeah. retrieve. Yeah. Now, do I do roly polies and fast retrieves? Sometimes, yes, I do. Um, but I keep thinking, you know, I th- if you've got the right fly, it shouldn't be that hard to persuade the fish to eat it so long as it sees it, Yeah, I guess. And, th- and that's, of course, comes down to the really Im- the great importance of presentation yeah. and being able to get your fly there quickly. Mm-hmm. And on that, I don't think we've touched on this precisely, and it sort of cuts across retrieves, you know, mm-hmm. practice getting a fly quickly out to anything between 3 and 20 metres quickly. Yeah. You can't do four or five false casts because the opportunity is gone. I have what I call the three-second rule when I'm sight fishing, yeah. which is if I see a fish in winter and on a lake, I've probably got three seconds when that's a real advantage to get the fly into the area. Otherwise, the fish is going to be gone. Right? Yeah. I'm no longer going to be able to see it. It's moved away from where it exploded on the smelt. It's far enough away that it's probably too late. Again, generalisations, I'll keep fishing the area, but if you can get your fly there quickly, boy, yeah. that's an advantage. Yeah, that 100%. Advantage. Yeah. You know, a pick-up and lay-down cast, carrying the fly in your hands. Line stripped line, out. Slack line ready yeah. to go. Who knows when you'll get your next chance. If you can get your fly there quickly and... And should you be lucky enough to Polaroid a fish, then that's absolutely the case. Yeah. You know, getting the fly to the fish before it sees you or before you can't see it anymore yeah. is such a useful thing. So, yeah, I can't emphasise enough for my style of fishing where sighting is important, the importance of getting the fly there quickly. Mm-hmm. Now, once you get it there, sure, you know, play around with your retrieves. But my stock standard for most wet flies is, is a slow and steady rather than a fast and jerky. Yeah. But ha- as I say, you know, that doesn't mean that I don't use fast and jerky sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, and it's and important to switch it up sometimes on, when yeah, it's slow. Yeah, yeah, sometimes, yep. And sometimes, you know, that roly polyed fly that's ripping through the water will get fish when the slow retrieve won't. Yeah, yeah. And do you move around a lot when you fish? Yeah, yeah, a lot. Like a lot. A lot. Yeah. Yeah, I, I reckon most days when I come in from fishing in the Grampians or on the local lakes, I've walked several kilometres. By the time yeah. I get back yeah, to yeah, yeah. And that, yeah, yeah, that another thing like covering that's that me. much. That's yeah. me, right? Yeah. So I, I'm always looking for fish, and often I have to walk to find them. Yeah, yeah. You know, sadly, there's no perfect formula for where those fish. We talked about that in the mayfly session, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I think um, there's there's plenty of occasions where it's valuable to have had good midge action on Bay X at Mirabal and you'd go back and look, but regrettably, sometimes just because they were there last week, they're not going to necessarily be there next week for yeah. whatever reason. Yeah, and that kind of comes back to reports So too. walking around yeah. lets you find those. And that's a I reckon lake fishing is, you know, stream fishing, sometimes you can enjoy the sort of selfish delight of having the whole river to yourself, <laughs> but on lakes, fishing with a mate, is really good. Oh, 100%. Because yeah. you've got twice the eyes, you've got twice... And, and you can literally, with mobile phones, most of these places, except for Wartook, <laughs> there's, there's reception. You know, hey, you know, Peter, Peter's yeah. up, you know... In this a bay. A kilometre yeah. away. Hey, Phil, I found them smelting. Yeah. yeah. And vice versa, you know. 
Yeah. How, how good's that? Yeah, it so, is good. Yeah. Technology. Yeah, technology. Technology and fishing. <laughs> Mobile phones aren't, aren't all bad. No, no, not all bad. Mostly bad, but not all bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, excellent, Phil. Yeah. Anything else you want to cover? Oh, look, I'm sure we'll think of something. <laughs> yeah, we're going to... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll do it by the way. Yeah. Cast. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think, yeah, we could... We, we, you, could you could go all night. You could, yeah. We've, yeah. we've missed so many so different much, types of so fishing. Yeah, so much But, uh, yeah, I think, I, think, I think we've covered the... Yeah, the, 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 the essentials. Things, I, I yeah. hope. Yeah. I hope. <laughs> we had big nets in there, didn't well, we? Yeah, we had big nets and strong tippet, <laughs> oh, so yeah, we're, we're there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Perfect. Um, I'm very excited to hit the lakes. You're always excited to hit the lakes. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you so much for chatting with us today. It's always a pleasure getting you on the podcast, and we thank you for oh, your contribution. For me too. Yeah. yeah, and your contribution to fishing and helping other people with their trout fishing is fantastic, Phil. Thank oh, that's you. That's great. Thank you, Peter. No worries. Um, we'll see you next time, guys. Thanks for joining us today. <laughs>